There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Action underway in the Championship, in the Scottish Premiership and in the Premier League. We're waiting for the first goal of the 7 o'clock. As soon as it happens, we will let you know about it. Uh, we're just talking there about Arsenal against West Ham. That's on the big screen down here uh, at... Uh, Barasti, promise you, I've had no influence on that whatsoever. Uh, so get yourself down here, be part of the fan zone down here. Some special offers and some great giveaways as well on feature games throughout the Premier League season, courtesy of the King down here at Barasti. In the meantime, we were talking about Arsenal against West Ham. That's got underway. Aubameyang obviously lining up for Mikel Arteta. He's been showering his main man with praise midweek. And why wouldn't you? That's for sure. And also reiterating time and time. Again, how many times have we heard this? We need to sit down with Oba. We need him to sign a long term. We need him for next season. We will have to do that at some stage before the end of the season, for sure. And uh, I will see the, the intentions that we have, his intentions, where we are sitting on that moment. I think it's difficult to predict that context right now. It would be easier for you if you had Champions League football, I suppose. For me, it's very easy. I want to keep him <laughs> in any circumstances. Right, let's move on to some of the other seven o'clocks. And before we do that, just news of a mutiny right here on the grill. Because having been demoted and left on the bench for the pronunciation uh, of football teams and the announcement of teams, Mark Archer has said, no way, not on your Nelly sunshine. I've stripped off the tracksuit and I've ran up the touchline and I've, I've signalled a sign and I'm, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm playing. I'm in, the, I'm in the game. We're having that, like, that, what was the, I can't, I can never pronounce the, the uh, well, look at me, there we are, pot kettle black as well. Uh, uh, Chelsea keeper. Uh, keeper. As pillow, oh, Let's stick with Kepa. Uh, you've when got me now. Kepa refused to come off. It's contagious. Remember when he refused to come off? The yes. manager was trying for to bring him off. For the penalty shootout. Yeah. No. Well, he stayed on, didn't he? He, he had a clang error and he said, no, I'm not coming off. Yeah, for the penalty shootout. They wanted to bring the specialist uh, penalty shootout keeper on. So basically, Arch is doing that. He's saying, I'm, fr- I'm not coming off, Gov. I'm, I'm sticking with it. Let's get this right before we move on. Kepa Arisabalaga. Exactly. Uh, and that was last season. Yes, it was. When the manager cup, of Chelsea cup final. was. Maurizio Sarri. Exactly. Uh, you get the full two points, Mark Archer. Uh, we will be judging you after. Which one do you want then? Do you want Palace? Or do I'm going go to go for Crystal Palace. OK, people. Uh, he is back. Uh, he's been working on it. throughout By popular demand. <laughs> throughout the week, uh, the coaches have said, you need to obviously... Oh, hello. Uh, the coaches obviously need to... Uh, uh, need you to work on your skills here, Arch. So let's see uh, where Roy Hudson has gone with his selections. Yeah, this is the Crystal Palace starting eleven. Roy Hudson's named unchanged side after last weekend's 1-0 victory Good against start. Brighton. Guaita in goal. Back four of Van Arnold, Cahill, Dan names, and please, Ward. You can't just do surnames. Midfield three of Coyate, McCarthy and MacArthur. On the left-hand side will be Wilfred Zaha. On the right-hand side, Jordan Ayew. And then the big man up front, Christian Benteke. Yeah, Three first Very names. Decent. Three first names after 11, out of 11. <laughs> That's all right, though. I'll let him off because he wouldn't have butchered them. Yeah, James, James, Chieku, Scott, Gary, Joel, Patrick. Yeah, he's done well there. Okay, we'll first Let's hear from Big Boy now. Um, this is ridiculous. Or is it ridiculous? Big Boy is talking about the possibility of Europe. There might be an extra place this year, as we know. I hope not, frankly, because I wouldn't like to see Manchester City lose their place. But 
that is a fact of life that it might be an extra place so you, you, you've got to go further down if you like but we have an awful lot of points off the teams at the moment who've got those positions in their grasp as it were so it's not something which occupies my thinking very much. Now, Watford have had a fairly torrid time of it of late. That turned around, though, in the last seven days, that's for sure. And uh, we're seeing them in a whole new light, Chris McCartney. They are coming off the back of that 3-0 victory over Liverpool, the first team to beat Liverpool in this Premier League season. And Nigel Pearson's named a strong side. I love the balance of this team. Ben Foster in goals. At right back, it's Kiko uh, Feminia. Christian Cabaselli and Craig Cathcart, Adam Messina at left back. Midfield two, Will Hughes and Etienne Kapui. Ishmael Assar, the man of the moment, the man that scored two goals against Liverpool. He starts wide on the right-hand side. Roberto Pereira, the former Juventus man, wide left. Abdoulaye Ducouré in behind the big man, the skipper, Troy Deeney. like the look of this game, Tom, I really do. I'm looking forward to this one. I think there's goals in it. I really do. It's Palace versus Watford. Watford looking to uh, continue that rich vein of form after that success against Liverpool last weekend. You mentioned that uh, performance from Saar against Liverpool. I mean, he was completely unplayable. It's one of those days, wasn't it? The perfect conclusion. Let's just remind ourselves of one of those extraordinary goals in that uh, beat, that rare beating of Liverpool on the occasion by Watford. Restore some calm here for Liverpool. And Dini's kept that one in. And he's away again here. It's his minor song. And he shows, he produces some composure. Never easy facing Allison in the one-on-one. Never easy, but that is a very good finish indeed. What on earth is going on? Sorry, I'll get back to the... I've got, I've got split allegiances here. I'm watching West Ham on the big screen behind me uh, and trying to keep focus uh, on the team uh, news coming through to us at the moment. What I can tell you is that West Ham have just blown an absolute... <laughs> Well, it was basically an open goal. Anyway, uh, my man uh, Hector is keeping an eye on proceedings for us over there. Uh, so we'll keep an eye and hopefully get a replay for you on that one. Just sticking with Watford, if we can, uh, we talked about the starting lineup there. One man who's not in that starting lineup, with good reason, is Delafu, isn't it? Who has picked up that horrible injury. Yes, indeed. And, and that's a big blow. Make no mistake about that. He's, he's someone that can change your game, Gerard Delafu. Although he wasn't missed last week, but in a running. And we're just seeing this chance for West Ham once again. I'll just break away from talking all things Gerard Delafoe to have a little look at this. And it's really well worked. I've got to say from West Ham, and it's a two-on-one down the right-hand side. I think it's Mikel Antonio. Oh, my goodness gracious me. I mean, that is Davy Moyes' hand on his head. I mean, he is furious with that. That was beautifully worked down the right-hand side. I'm pretty sure it was Mikel Antonio who got cleared. David Luiz in the middle. He's down the right-hand side. He's one-on-one, essentially. David Luiz doesn't know whether to stick or twist. In the end, he sticks. Mikel Antonio tries to play it across to Sebastian Haller. If the ball's a right one, it's an open goal and he just sweeps it home. He puts it behind the big Frenchman and that is a guilt-edged opportunity that passes West Ham by. 11 minutes on the clock at the Emirates Stadium. It remains Arsenal nil, West Ham nil. Let's hear from Nigel Pearson about the absence of Delifo. Uh, we understand it could well be and probably will be for the rest of the season. Ooh. Unfortunately for us, the scan results really show that he's going to be probably out for the rest of the season. Um, the initial initial scan results are that he's got an ACL, which is a really bad bad thing for us because he's been such a, 
play for us. He's a, he's a, he's a really good lad as well. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, I think, upsetting for the players when you, when one of your colleagues gets a, an injury like that during the game. And certainly for us, he'll be, he'll be a miss. But having said that, um, Maxine Pereira went in yesterday, and I thought he did very well when he went on. But for sure, Jerry's going to be a miss for us. But we, we'll have to cope. It's important that we um, look forward with a positive mentality but it's certainly not a it's certainly not good news for us today for sure uh, so we're waiting for the first goal in the Premier League from the seven o'clock kickoffs uh, no shortage of chances that's for sure uh, and as soon as those goals go in we will let you know so remains nil nil at West Ham and Arsenal uh, remains Crystal Palace nil Watford nil those are the two team news we told you about let's move our attention over to Sheffield United against no hang on hang on hang on he's put his hand up again don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing you go home or away Mark Archer I'll go Sheffield United just, had a quick, home. just quickly skimmed their starting 11 and I'm <laughs> confident I can get at least nine of the names right. Okay, well, we're <laughs> going to ask you to do the home team for us with Christian names. With Christian names. Okay, okay I can do that. Let's go uh, Sheffield United, their starting 11. Dean Henderson in goal. It's a back three of uh, Jack O'Connell, uh, John Egan and Chris Barsham. That's nice. your back three. Okay, midfield yeah. five, they're stacking up in midfield. Uh, Stevens, Fleck, Norwood, Lundstrom and Bulldog and then of course up front is Sharp and McBurney. Look at that, very good indeed, just speeding up towards the end there so we didn't really notice but good on you. Uh, what about the away team? Yeah, Norwich coming off the back, a little bit of confidence through Daniel Varkey's side of course, beating Spurs midweek to book their place in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Tim Krul starts in goals, back foot of Max Ahrens, the right back, big fan of Max, think he will get a move whether they stay up or not come this summer. Grant Hanley, Ben Godfrey and Jamal Lewis. Midfield two of Alexander Tete and Kenny McLean, the former Aberdeen man. Emiliano Buendia, wide on the right hand side. Todd Cantwell, big fan of the young man as well, wide on the left. Andres Duda is in behind the talisman if you will who had a wonderful start he was on fire at the start of the campaign was the Finnish international Timu Puki again I'm expecting goals in this one Sheffield United on their own patch normally normally should have enough to see this one off Norwich if they genuinely hold aspirations of staying in this Premier League you've got to feel that they need a win today Sheffield United against Norwich question for you Chris Sheff uh, Sheffield United unbelievable year uh Coach of the year? If they get if they get into Europe, I mean, is, is he done a bigger, better job with his team than, than Jurgen Klopp's no, in Liverpool? No, no, because, no, no, no. Because you'd coach you'd coach Liverpool this year to, to a championship. What what? No, look at what he's done for that. Sheffield United. Unbelievable. If they qualify for Champions League, unbelievable. Oh, listen, yeah, there's a debate. If Sheffield United were to qualify for the Champions whether they finish fourth or maybe fifth, it might be the, might be the case. Oh. Is that a better than Liverpool's season? Oh. If Liverpool don't win. When they give them the given the Premier League, if they don't win a, a Champions League trophy, if Sheffield United qualified via fifth place for the Champions League football, oh, is that a better it's, coaching it's job? Incredible. Is that a better coaching job than Jurgen Klopp with Liverpool? Oh, that's difficult. That's a great question. Listen, Liverpool have won 27 of 29 games, Mark Archer, and that's extraordinary. I would still say Jurgen gets it. I mean, they've been unbelievable. But oh, I tell you what, if Sheffield United finish top four and get Champions League football, top five. I know, but top Finish five. Fifth. I know, Finish but that's, fifth. that's that's because of Man City. That's top five is still incredible, but a, a top four finish where they've actually on merit qualified for Champions League spot. Oh, I tell you, they're what, in the mix, Mark aren't Archer, they? That's a great debate. Wilder or Klopp? We'll put it out there. Four zero zero one. I would still lean towards Klopp. Mm. 
Yeah, I think so. Atletico Madrid, Villarreal. No goals in that one. Uh, Kick-off in the Spanish La Liga. Uh, no goals to report in the Premier League just yet. Let's get to uh, more thoughts from the management. Chris Wilder, the man that we were discussing just there, the merits that he has brought to his team. Uh, Chris Wilder, well, he said, look, he's not going to chop and change between cup and league. It's full tilt for United all the way to the end of the season. Full tilt, yeah. Full tilt, you read my mind, 100% onto the next game. It has to be all to play for, potentially, what, 11, 11 league games and, and, and hopefully a little bit longer in the FA Cup would be fantastic for the football club. Been out in the spotlight for quite a while now and glad that we're, uh, that we're doing everybody proud in terms of our performances in the league and, uh, and, uh, and cup competitions. He was one of the teams who had a winter break. Not a million miles from here as well. But this is interesting as well, because there we were sort of eulogising about the benefits of winter breaks, especially here in the UAE, and what it does to energise teams. Chris Wilder, who at the time, whilst here, was doing much of that as well, saying how much fun he was... Listen to this. He said, I don't know why we bothered. I would have been all right either way. I've seen. Um, I didn't see, uh, uh, you know, I didn't see any tired legs in terms of our performance against Bournemouth or or pre-winter break. Um, and we now have obviously, with Villa getting into the Carabao Cup final yesterday, that's a, that has to be rearranged. And obviously, there's a possibility that the, if both clubs get through to the next round or one club gets through to the next round, the Manchester United game is going to be called off. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough fixture list and schedule. Some midweek games chucked in there. Obviously, starting this week as well in the FA Cup. But we're ready for every challenge that's that's put upon us. And you know, I've I've, I've said my piece on. On the on the on the schedule, um, you know, teams have a lot more lot more games than us. You know, Liverpool have had a lot more games. Wolverhampton Wanderers have those clubs that have been in European competition. So possibly they have a different view on it. Uh, but I wanted us from our point of view, and I'm not looking from their point of view. I'm, I'm looking selfishly from our point of view. We wanted to keep going, but uh, we're, we're we're into it now, and uh, we've had another good week, and, and looking forward to tomorrow night. Uh, Norwich midweek. Uh, let's talk about them very quickly. Uh, in fact, let's just get to uh, another chance down oh, at the Emirates Stadium. West Ham should be ahead. You pay 45 million quid for a striker. It's a terrible first touch from Sebastian Haller. Arsenal are at sixes and sevens. West Ham picked their pocket in the midfield area. I think it's Jared Bowen who's come in from the right hand oh. side and they've just hit the bar. West Ham straight from a corner. Oi, oi, oi. Mark Noble has just hit the crossbar. He has swerved one in. Bernd Leno's nowhere, and it has hit the crossbar. And David Moyes, you can understand the frustration because West Ham have had a good opening 90 minutes at the Emirates Stadium. But Sebastian Haller scored goals for fun at Frankfurt last season in the Bundesliga. And you pay, you pay 45 million quid for him, and he's got to do better. The ball's played into him. He's one-on-one with Bernd Leno. He just needs to have a good first touch. He lets it come away from him. It reduces the angle. Bernd Leno's out. The, 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 the appeal for a penalty is a bit half-cooked, half-baked, if you will. It's not a penalty. It went to a corner. Mark Noble hit the crossbar directly from that corner. But that's a big chance for West Ham. They've had two now, Tom. And you may rue both of those chances going awry. Uh, let's talk Daniel Falk if we can, because uh, Norwich City, another team uh, that have had... Well, not really. I was going to say a mixed bag of a season. They've had a 
pretty horrendous season. Started really brightly, uh, then things have tailed off. However, still going strong in the cup. And that was a fascinating penalty shootout against uh, Tottenham uh, midweek as well. Not quite sure what Tottenham were thinking during that penalty shot. There's some really, really poor penalties from them, taking nothing away from Tim Crow. It's a big, it's a big, big win that for Norwich. And yes, OK, their priority is staying in the Premier League. But a cup run, uh, Tom, they're into the, the, the quarterfinals. And they've got Man United, okay, to come down to Carroll Road, but the atmosphere down that neck of the woods. We've had Dale Gordon, a Norwich legend, on the show numerous times. That will be a brilliant atmosphere down there. It's a, it's a welcome distraction. I know it pays to stay in the Premier League, but for Daniel Farkey, if Norwich go down, and I've got to say, the rod's on to do just that. Unbelievable. A cup win, maybe, just maybe. I mean, it's a long off, I know, but listen, if they were to do that and still go down, that would be seen as a successful season putting a trophy in the cabinet and for Norwich more to the point the story out of uh, midweek against Spurs Eric Dyer and I'm sure yeah. we'll get to that clambering in to his own stadium to go after a fan that was saying some deplorable things towards him and I know the, the kind of world the pundits of this world etc they've come out in defence of Eric Dyer I've said it numerous times and Mark Arch and I had a long conversation about this yesterday yes you've got to be have control etc but equally some of the things that these guys are are kind of victims of in terms of the abuse is it is it it's a surprise that it's actually come this late that someone's actually clambered and said oi enough's enough so that was the big story out of that but listen norwich great win going down to the tottenham hotspur stadium i know spurs have got their injury problems but what a victory that was for daniel farkey's side uh, well he hopes that this cup run uh, daniel farkey is that is uh, this cup run will inspire his team to greater things. They are uh, at uh, Sheffield United at the moment who are flying high. Uh, can they get another upset? We will wait and see. Uh, so let's hear from Daniel Farkey who hopes that the confidence that the boys take from the cup can impact the remainder of their Premier League season. To be honest, you, you can always be concerned about about the additional load and, and the, the focus goes goes a bit away but um, I judge in the other way around. So for me, it's it's quite important to be good in the uh, in the cup competition. I'm a deep believer in cup competition, and I think you can also take lots of confidence out of uh, out of uh, this game if you, if you are there with good performances uh, and good results. And for that, uh, it's a quite important uh, competition for us. It's not like we are just fully switched on for the league. Of course, yeah, the league is quite important without any doubt. But we want to be success as successful as possible also in the cup competition and especially in the in the EFA Cup. It's the most prestigious. Uh, cup competition in the world and for that uh, we are already right now in a, in a good position in the fifth round and we know we have the chance to to write a little bit of, of history uh, like you like I mentioned would be the first first time since nearly uh, yeah 30 years uh, to go into the sixth round into the quarterfinal and uh, I think many supporters will follow us also tomorrow and yeah we try our best to to make them proud tomorrow. And meanwhile he also wanted to take the opportunity to uh, to praise his keeper and I think this is one thing I was thinking about before the show today, actually, Chris. You know, given the nature of the Premier League at the moment, um, we all too often focus, don't we, on the keepers at the top of the league. You know, we talked a lot about Alisson recently, or Big Ali, as uh, as he was called a little <laughs> earlier on. Obviously, David De Gea gets a lot of press, given the fact that he is one of the best in the world, regardless of, of, of Man U's form at the moment. But it's the big clubs, those are the sort of top of the, of, of the table that sort of get the focus. And then you look down, you look at some of the quality between sticks in the onion net for some of the lower clubs. There's some great keepers in the Unbelievable Premier Unbelievable keepers. I actually think you can make a good argument to say that is probably where the Premier League's the strongest. If you go goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders and strikers, you look at the Premier League, Hugo Lloris, World Cup winner at Spurs, 
okay, right now Chelsea are in a bit of state, state of flux, but Kepa is the record signing in the world. He is yeah. the man that cost the most. Alison Becker, Brazil's number one, Liverpool. David De Gea facing a battle with Kepa for the Spanish number one jersey, but who I believe in the last five years has been the best goalkeeper in the world. I know his recent form. Dean Henderson at Sheffield United, w winning plaudits left, right and centre to the point, some suggestion this past week, he might actually usurp Jordan Pickford as England's number one. Jordan Pickford himself, Lucas Fabianski, you were rattling off the stats a few weeks back. Without him, West Ham look a different team. You know, he's a Polish number one, or he's maybe fighting Chesney in actual fact from Juventus for that role. But you look at the goalkeepers, there is great quality. And Tim Cruel, a, ditch, a Dutch international as well in at Norwich, didn't quite work out for him at Newcastle. Had a bit of a kind of unhappy spell towards the end there, but he's come in. He is a wonderful, wonderful goalkeeper. Let's hear it from the manager who he prays upon his keeper. We uh, created uh, something spe special today because it's, um, I think, the biggest success in uh, Norwich City's uh, FA Cup history since nearly 30 years uh, to go through this round. And, uh, yeah, to do this was a fantastic performance and such a difficult uh, way ground here at Tottenham. Uh, and to, to be there with the end, in the end with the, with the win feels, feels great and pretty delighted uh, for my lads. I'm pretty happy with this uh, performance. Um, also pretty light, of course, for, for all our supporters and uh, for, for everyone who is connected with, with Norwich City because we showed great, a great unity, a great spirit today and also great performance. And I totally got the feeling we deserve to, to, um, to have this amazing win for, for our club. And for that, of course, we're all pretty happy. Daniel, uh, a photo has been shared on social media of Tim Krul looking at his water bottle. He's got all the Spurs penalty takers written on it and where they're going to where they're likely to take their penalties. Can you just speak about the amount of preparation they put into their potentially being a penalty shootout this evening? Yes, I was uh, I was not involved, if I'm honest. I leave this uh, with, uh, with Tim because he's unbelievably experienced and my goalkeeper coach, Ed Wooten, is doing a fantastic job and they are always unbelievable professional. And I also have to praise Michael McGovern because even before a game, he speaks with, with Tim about uh, several players and also about the pen uh, penalty taker. So also great unity. Um, to be honest, it's always good yeah, when it comes to a penalty against us and, and you watch uh, in the, the rectangle and you see this tall Dutch fella in the goal. So it's always a good feeling, if I'm honest, because he's really a killer in this uh, in this moment. He has saved so many uh, so many penalties so far. And uh, to be honest, I was I was always totally convinced that we would win this game when it came to, to the penalty shootout because you could sense this unity, this uh, energy also within the, within the group. And I told them, whatever happens during this penalty shootout, so it could also be a setback or we are back and... And it was uh, after the first uh, taken penalty that we missed and they scored. I told them, whatever will happen in the end, the yellow shots will celebrate. And uh, thank God the lads didn't let me down. And uh, for that, I'm pretty delighted with this win. I'd like to, if there is a stato out there who has been monitoring the number of times that Daniel Farke has said, unbelievable uh, during his press conferences this season, I would like, uh, can we have a count please? Because uh, he is unbelievable when it comes to press conferences. Uh, let's just go over to, in fact, we're going to get some team news for you in a few minutes time uh, down at. Uh, Love it. Finally, Tom. Finally. Finally, 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 Mary's. in the St. Premier Mary's. League, it is St Mary's, not the Dale, it's St Mary's. <laughs> finally, we've got VAR telling the referee to come over and have a look at the monitor. Now, this could be grave. If you're a Southampton fan, you might just be about to come down to 10 men here because uh, Gineppo it is, the big summer signing from Belgian football. He has gone over the ball. The ball was there to be won. He's gone over it. And I worry here, it's a red card, it, it is a red card, he's off. 
It is a straight red card. Oh. He is gone. The referees went over. He has made the decision. I love it that the Premier League, this is what we've been calling for. Let the referees make the decision, not someone in a van 100 miles away. And the referee's taking a little look at it. Oh, I tell you, the replay's not kind to him. The ball, the defender, I'm not quite sure who it is. The Newcastle defender clears the ball. Gineppo comes over the top and just basically trods on the ankle. He mistimes the, the tackle. He comes it. in late, doesn't he? He comes in late. He comes misses in the late. ball and he absolutely stomps but it's fractions on his ankle. of seconds. He stomps on the ankle. I can understand why he's been given the red card. We're seeing Hoiberg and Shane Long now. And Gineppo, well, he's inconsolable. He's walking off. He's, he's actually in tears, bless the man. And he's just having a word. Danny Ings, it is. Who's just he, he's got the, the shirt covered over his head. He's it wasn't a, you say it's not a malicious challenge. It's a really, really poor time it's challenge. It looks, it looks worse in slow motion as well. And, exactly. And, and, and that's what VAR has shown up. The slow replay of that looks absolutely terrible. I think the referee was left with no decision but to give him a, a red card. Had been in normal speed and normal time, he probably got to, he might have got away, got away with the whole with thing. It. It's a booking. I mean, it's a booking. I mean, yeah, listen, the studs are there. He, he's trod, if you can imagine. I appreciate we're on radio, but and here it is again. He just, he trods. I think it's Isaac Hayden, the Newcastle midfielder, I think it is. He trods on the ankle and real speed there. It was a blink and you miss it. You can see it there. It but looked it, like a yellow card offence, didn't but it? But when they slow it down, it always looks worse. I think it's a little harsh, but listen, Newcastle fans listening, they're not going to be complaining. Uh, their opponents are down to 10 men. Still no nil at St Mary's, Southampton against Newcastle. Let's stay down at the Dell. If we can, where Dale St Mary's, mate, I'm all for doing because you, you know I've been chatting to you all the week about this new podcast that I've been yes. introducing to everybody. Because Quickly, Kevin, I was the first one score. to ever uh, ever hear it, uh, so I wanted to introduce it. That's not the case. Everyone I've mentioned it to go. Yeah, Tom, been listening to it for the last three years, pal. It's um, but anyways, basically, it's that '90s football. It's a '90s football podcast. So. In, in honour of Quickly Kevin, I'm going to do uh, 90s grounds uh, I like it. for all of them, all right? So we're going to stick at the Dell, if that's all right, and we're going to go Southampton against uh, Newcastle, and Mark Archer extraordinarily has put his hand up well, yet again. The, the hardest name to pronounce has just been sent off, so it makes my job a lot easier, <laughs> <laughs> I think. But let, uh, let's just run through the starting 11 for Southampton. Danny Ings returns to the starting 11, one of three changes for this team. What a great season Danny Ings has been having. He was on the bench uh, for the 3-1 defeat at West Ham last time out, but Bax comes back in while Jan, Jan Valerie also start, but Musa Dieppo, who we just talked about, who would have taken place on the right-hand side of midfield, has just been sent off. So in goal, McCarthy, back four of Bertrand, Benarak, Stevens and Valerie. Midfield for Buffal, Ward-Prowse, Hoiberg and Dieppo, who's been sent off, so he is not going to be part of that starting eleven now, who he was, but now he's not. And then Danny Ings and uh, Long are up front for Southampton. Pretty easy that for Mark Archer, as for Newcastle. And again, they've got numerical advantage now. It is Martin Dubravka in goals, Javi Manquillo, right back, Jamal Lascelles, Federico Fernandez, the former Swansea man, and Danny Rose. You forget Danny Rose is up at Newcastle these days on loan from Spurs. Midfield four, Matt Ritchie, John Joe Shelby, Isaac Hayden, and Alan St. Maximin. It's then Miguel Almiro on the Paraguay scored a couple in midweek in that win over West Brom and Dwight Gale. He leads the line today. No start for the £40 million man. Joe Linton. Got our first goal of the 7 o'clock kickoffs, and it comes in South East London, down at... What was their previous 
No, ne- never previous. It is what it's it always is. Always been the same place. Always it? been Selhurst Park. Always they shared it with Wimbledon, did Crystal Palace, and they yes. never changed the name or anything. And never no. got stadium naming S- rights or anything. No, Selhurst. I tell you, I'll give you a little quiz later on, and we'll <laughs> see how you get on with our old names. So Crystal Palace against Watford, half an hour on the clock, and I can tell you the goal has gone the way of the home side. Why will be happy. Palace won, Watford nil, and it's the man who I've got to say has done far better than I expected him to do. He didn't really have a, t- a happy time of it at Swansea City, did Jordan Ayew. He's come to Crystal Palace and he looks a man reborn. It is he that has given Crystal Palace the lead. It is Palace 1, Watford 0. Watford coming off the back of that sensational 3-0 win over Liverpool last time out. They've got to go some to match that one today. They're 1-0 down, Palace 1, Watford 0. First goal of the 7 o'clock kick-offs. The rest of them are 0-0 at the moment. No shortage of talking points, though. Uh, and um, talking of talking points... Do stay tuned going to take a short break now but I please please want you to come back or stay with us because Steve Bruce some extraordinary comments uh, in the press conferences ahead of this weekend's Premier League action playing them next this is the grill join the conversation text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app so still just that solitary goal to report in the Premier League for you. Should we just get some rugby news very quickly before we get back to the football? Uh, Mark Archer's monitoring the club rugby ongoing at the moment. Yeah, but let me give you kick-off time. 8.45, mark your cards. It's Twickenham headquarters, south-west London, where England will take on Wales. Key match in the Six Nations. England need victory to keep uh, alive their hopes of a third title in five years. So much pending on which matches will happen and which which won't happen of course. 8.45, come on down to Brasty, join the boys down here, we'll be watching that match after the show. Mark your cards for that. There are also, also Premier League matches in the English Premiership. One, res- one result Saracens are already relegated will love to be defeated Leicester Tigers 24 points to 13 and uh, extra Chiefs uh, taking on Bath, they have a big lead against Bath, 36 points to three they lead. And at halftime, Wasps have a big lead, also, big lead also over Gloucester, 29 points to 10. Super Rugby results, wins for the Blues, the Rebels and the Sharks. And currently in Pretoria, it's the Bulls taking on the Highlanders from New Zealand and the Highlanders lead 7 points to 5 in that match, Tom. Thanks so much indeed for that. We will keep an eye on the rugby for you. Uh, football is taking our focus. One goal to report. That's Crystal Palace leading Watford by one goal to nil in the seven o'clock kickoffs. Uh, there have been red cards and yellow cards aplenty, so we'll get back to those in a minute. A couple of goals up in Scotland to bring you. One for Celtic, one for Motherwell. Yes, Celtic at home to St Mirren today. St Mirren, who themselves are not clear of the relegation zone down or up in Scotland, should I say. As for Celtic, well, they are look to be home and hosed. It will be nine in a row for the boys. Rangers, of course, beaten in midweek by Hamilton. Celtic, they left it late to rescue a point at Livingston. But they lead today, 32 minutes on the clock, at Parkhead, Lee Griffiths, who has been restored to the starting 11 the Scotland International. It was he that has given St Mirren the lead. As for the other goal, Hearts, all sorts of woes for Hearts this season. Currently bottom, all that money spent, massive stadium. We know what a huge fan base they have as well. But they've had a bit of a nightmare this season, have Hearts. It's now Daniel Stendill in charge, the former Barnsley manager the man that got Barnsley back to the championship Craig Levine unceremoniously dumped midway through this campaign Stendhal's come in and he hasn't really managed to get Hearts moving in the right direction having said all of that they were victorious midweek in the Edinburgh Derby against Hibs but you looked for them to kick on they're not doing that at the moment Chris Long has given Motherwell the lead Motherwell currently riding high in fairness up in third in the Scottish Premiership so they're the only goals it's Aberdeen nil, Hibs nil, Celtic 1 St Mirren nil, Hamilton nil, Kilmarnock 
nil. Hearts, they're a goal down, as I say, at home to Motherwell. St Johnston nil, Livingston nil. We'll give you a Bundesliga update in a few minutes' time as well with Chris. I just want to cross down to uh, Spain, if I can, where Atletico Madrid have just scored their second of the afternoon. João Felix, uh, the young superstar, uh, on the mark on 36. This following up from the Alvaro Morata penalty on 32. However, it was the visitors that took the early lead. Luc de Jong uh, on 19 minutes. It currently is uh, Atletico Madrid 2, Sevilla 1 in La Liga. Still in the first half there. Into the second half over in the Bundesliga. No, in fact, it's just stoppage time of the first half over in the Bundesliga. Chris McCarty's got the latest. Yeah, I can tell you, Bayer Leverkusen they lead Frankfurt by two goals to nil. Kai Havertz, the man that I think an awful lot of the big clubs will be after this coming summer. The young German, he opened the scoring after four minutes. Karim Balarbi made it 2-0 Leverkusen. Of course, Leverkusen will face Rangers in that last 16 of the Europa League. Schalke now managed by the former Huddersfield town boss David Wagner. He's uh, he's in charge there. They're riding high. Schalke, they've had a good season. They lead Hoffenheim by a goal to nil. Weston McKenney on the score sheet there, the American international. Werder Bremen, they lead Hertha Berlin by two goals to one. Josh Sargent, another American on the score sheet. David Klassen, formerly of Everton, former Ajax man, made it 2-0 after just six minutes. Nicholas Stark, no uh, relation to Tony, pulled one back for Hertha. Freiburg 1, Union Berlin 0. Wolfsburg 0, RB Leipzig 0 with a late kick-off in the Bundesliga this evening. It's a belter as well. It is Borussia Mönchengladbach against Borussia Dortmund. Premier League time and time for the second goal of the afternoon and you heard that from Chris McCard. He's not doing a Darth Vader impression. <laughs> I am not. I'm just saying, oh, because it's the veteran. It's Billy Sharp on the score sheet for Sheffield United after 36 minutes. It was interesting. I was reading an article about Billy this past week. Chris Wilder, effervescent really. He was opening and eulogising, gushing in his praise for Billy Sharp. He is the veteran and he is the man. He is a born goal scorer, Billy Sharp. He scored goals across all the English divisions. I can, I can oh. remember him scoring scoring goals for Scunthorpe, he scored goals at Leeds, he's scoring goals now for Sheffield United and it is Billy Sharp that has opened the scoring, John Lundstrom, a lot of you out there that play fantasy football, I'm sure will have John Lundstrom in your fantasy teams, the good news is he's got your assist, it's Sheffield United 1, Norwich 0. West Ham going close uh, down at the Emirates Stadium. Michael Antonio, or Mikhail Antonio, just hooking one uh, agonisingly wide. He's been in great form over the last couple of years. He has. He's come again. He's a bit of a talismanic figure, is Mikel Antonio. He really has come to the fore. And I tell you what, Tom, 40 minutes on the clock at Emirates. West Ham should be leading. They should be leading not by one. They probably should be leading by a couple. They've been very good. They've been good value. They rode their luck a few moments ago. We saw Socrates, the big central ha- uh, centre defender. He hit the bar from a cross from wide on that right-hand side. Other than that, though, West Ham have had not one, not two, but three guilt-edge opportunities. It remains Arsenal nil, West Ham nil. Uh, I mentioned there Steve Bruce. Um, he's uh, still nil-nil uh, over at Southampton at the moment. However, there's something that reduced to 10 men in that game, about five minutes remaining in the first half. Um, I just want to play out a few of the, the comments that Stevie Bruce, uh, or Steve, is it Stevie Bruce or Stevie Barnes? It's definitely Stevie <laughs> Bruce, isn't it? Uh, has been uh, giving uh, midweek. Let's start uh, with, where do I want to go with this one? Okay, let's start with 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 the sort of, fundamentals. Uh, Steve Bruce asked midweek, uh, why the problems for Newcastle at the moment? Uh, he has a long old think about it. The philosopher that is in him comes up with the solution. 
what is because we're not scoring enough goals? Well, it's a big concern because if you can't score, you can't win. So, but you know, there's a lot of aspects that we do very, very well. You know, defensively, especially at home. But people want to see a goal, and we've got to keep working away at it and hope that we can over the next 10, 11 games, wherever it's going to be, that we can uh, that we can start to score. How frustrating is it for you that a few weeks ago you looked fairly safe and it now sort of appears that you're getting dragged back into things? Well, I mean, look, it, when you when you don't win, when you don't win, of course, then if you, you're always in that risk if you're in the, in the bottom half of the, of the Premier League. That's where it is. A couple of them were won at the weekend and closed the gap. Still all to play for, 10 games to go. We know what sort of target we're looking for. Um, and if we get there, great, I'm sure we will. Do you accept with recent results, I suppose a lack of goals, that, that you are in a, a relegation battle now? Well, I still think there's maybe the bottom half of the, the Premier League is looking at it and still not. Until you get to a certain figure, then, you know, the six, eight teams, whatever it is, you know, a win can lift you two, three positions. So all to play for. We've all got to get to that magical figure. In the past, it's been 36 over the last decade it's been something like 36 I don't think that's going to be quite enough so wherever it's going to be we've got to get there I think Big Ralph's about to lose his pull <laughs> he's not a fan of technology or VAR at the moment is Big Ralph is he? I'll tell you what the VAR has not been smiling on Southampton they're already down to 10 men VAR got involved in order to see Musa Gineppo sent off it's got involved once again it's awarded a penalty and I tell you what, the more I watch it, it is harsh. Sophie and Buffal it is. They've looked at this genuinely about 15 times. Sophie and Buffal, who has lent into the ball. The ball's broken at the edge of the area. And he's just tried to lean his shoulder in to, to, to I guess, to cannon the ball on to start a counter-attack. They've adjudged it to be a handball. I mean, it's harsh. It's literally hit him just below the oh. shoulder. Almost where the sleeve of his, if he had a short sleeve shirt on, it's hit him around the, where the sleeve would be. And it's, um, I mean, it's not handball. It's, it's, it's basically a shoulder, just below the shoulder to it, almost where his bicep is, not above the bicep even. It's incredibly harsh um, for Southampton. Two decisions that previously may not have gone against them. One man's been sent off, and now we see the penalty kick waiting to be taken yep. for Newcastle United. Matt Ritchie it is. Oh, and it's what a save what a from Alex save. McCarthy. And Matt Ritchie, ever so sweeter, Matt Ritchie, formerly of Bournemouth, of course, down on the south coast, rivals of Southampton. Bit of a derby there. Sophie and Buffal, we're seeing pictures of him still chuntering in the ear of the referee. But Alex McCarthy, what a save. Got down low to his left-hand side. Matt Ritchie opens his body up, reverses it. Oh, oh what a save that is from Alex McCarthy. Gets down low quickly. He's a big boy, is Alex McCarthy. Big, strong left hand. Keeps it out. It stays Southampton nil, Newcastle nil. Right, back to uh, Steve Barnes, uh, because uh, Brucey has been talking also about the future. Uh, OK, he's been sort of bemoaning the lack of goals, but Steve Bruce, the Newcastle boss, uh, is also delighted that a couple of his big names, or a couple of his uh, names in the, in the squad at the moment, have signed new deals in the forms of Shelby and Ritchie. They've both tied themselves up for another, till 23, is it? Um, you know, they've been very, very good over the last few years for Newcastle and I've been lucky enough to inherit the two of them. So thankfully there's been a, a really good conclusion about it. They've both, as I said, been here probably nearly four years now and big makeup of the team has been has been them too. So we're delighted that they've committed to their future, which is good to see. Yeah, I was going to say, out with the, their abilities, what do they bring to the squad and the, and the training ground? Well, as I've said many, many times um, to everybody, the, the, the nucleus of the team... What, 
got out the championship and still playing well today is is still here the core group of them and they're two one of the, these two have been instrumental in it we all know what what Richie's like the way he is <laughs> there's never a dull day and uh, and John Johnny's his day we all know he's a very very talented footballer so I'm delighted that the, that they've, um, they've committed their future it's uh, let's hope now we can get a, two or three others done as well so that's good Brucey okay <laughs> I want to now play bad Brucey uh, because you don't want to get on the bad side of Brucey, uh, of Steve Bruce, that's for sure. Um, I, I need a bit of background here, if I can, please, Chris. Uh, Saint Maximin, Saint Maximin, big money signing, came in from French football. I think it was Nice that they brought him in from. He is, <laughs> you know what he is, Tom. He's kind of a typical Newcastle signing, a bit tempestuous, flits in and out. A bit like Laurent Robert. Remember Laurent Robert, another Frenchman, mercurial Gaelic flair. Just as I look at a potential penalty, no, nothing doing in Arsenal. Arsenal uh, wanting a penalty. Referee waves play on. VAR will take a look at it and they will wave play on. But uh, he's a great player. On his day, it's the old cliche, but on his day, Saint-Maximin is a player that can win football matches. And yes, OK, he is someone that will ruffle a few feathers. Perhaps doesn't work as hard. A bit like in the Laurent Robert mode. Definitely better on the front foot than out of possession. Heck of a player, though, but yeah, apparently there's been a fight. Yeah, um, just a word of advice, and who and I to proffer advice, but word of advice to, uh, the, uh, to, to, to the, the members of the media covering Newcastle games. Probably not the best idea to ask Big Brucey a question about Sam Maximin. He was a doubt. There was nonsense written in the newspaper that I've had a fallout with him. I don't know where that come from. But So he didn't train Sunday. We were wary of him. And you always have to be careful with the, with the two hamstrings that he's had. He was sore on Thursday, and um, that made me mind up to not risk him. But he trained, he trained well yesterday and declared himself right, and um, that's the way it was. I'm not going to answer you, Craig. No? You just outed this realist totally. No? It's total lies. It's nonsense. I'm glad your source is wrong. You calling me a liar? So you calling me? You calling me a liar? Well, your report was wrong. Why can't you just it? Well, there you are, then you are. I've had no row with Almer, uh, with St. Maxim, okay? None. A bust-up. Did the player think you were I didn't ask that. You you wrote that I had a bust-up. No, no, you, you wrote yesterday that I had a bust-up. Yes, you did. I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. The word bust-up wasn't used. I didn't use the word row, I didn't. Well, we've had a bust-up. That was the headline? Okay, then we'll beg to differ. Craig Hope there, Daily Mail <laughs> reporter. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You've got to love a dust-up in a press conference, haven't you? Beg to differ. Beg to differ. Uh, and in, in fairness to Craig, we've all been there where a sub-editor has taken what you've written and thought, yeah, just to jazz this up, we'll put on a rather uh, keyword-rich headline where I've had the phone call from agents and people going, eh, that headline, ooh, let me have a little look at it. Whoa, okay, I understand. But yeah, bust up was the headline and he's not happy, Stevie. So this is why I wanted to play that. I wanted to play that because that was the precursor <laughs> to another <laughs> little comment afterwards because you mentioned earlier that we will talk about the Eric Dyer I- issue. Uh, what's the background on that one? Basically, a fan said something. We're not quite sure what has been speculated that a fan said something about Eric Dyer's family, about his brother. Eric Dyer took issue with it, the Spurs defender slash midfielder, after that FA Cup defeat to Norwich. And what did he do? He clambered into the stadium. He wanted to have it out with said fan before the stewards got involved and to calm him down. And, yeah, that's the long and short of it. So, right. So... (laughs) 
<laughs> when it comes to, you know, sort of losing your cool and uh, getting a little bit hot under the collar and confrontations, who's the best person to ask about confrontations? Well, of course, it's Steve Bruce, who for some reason felt that he had to proffer some advice to Eric Dyer. Well, I think that we all get there's times when we all do things what we'll probably regret, and I'm sure Eric at this particular moment is, is regretting it. I can understand that people are hearing abuse or whatever's happening. We don't know the full facts, but I think when he looks back on it now and thinks, what have I done? One of them moments where they like me in a press conference the other day, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not pleased with yourself. So, But I can understand sometimes that when that red mist comes down, but I'm sure you'll regret it. Yeah, um, I, I was going to ask you that. How have things been since since the other day? Because that's kind of the first thing. Look, as far as I'm concerned, it's gone. It's finished. Yeah. It's finished. It's over with. Um, I don't really want to comment anymore with it. It's as far as I'm concerned, it's it's history. Yeah. Just last one on the Eric Dyer situation. Can you understand why some players can react to abuse, whether it's to them or their families? I mean, you, you've had your fair share <laughs> this season. I've had my fair share for thirty years, I think. Um, I can understand that when people are personal and it does become abusive then and they've obviously come off the back of a bad result too then emotions are running high and uh, and, he's, and he's lost it for that whatever, whatever reason he has so but I'm sure in the call like today he'll look back on it and think I can't be doing that and um, but these things happen uh, Brucey then uh, giving his thoughts on anger management <laughs> Uh, right we are, it's nil-nil in that particular one. Uh, let us bring, go around the grounds and bring you all the latest uh, from the other Premier Leagues uh, in just a few moments' time. Uh, not though before, we, I want to talk about Ralph if I can a bit. Uh, I wanted to talk about Ralph before, I've been really impressed by Ralph Hobson and uh, Not so much beginning of the season, they had a shocker, but the way he's been able to drag it back. You two were talking about, you know, managers of the year and things like that. With the challenges, that, how, I mean, after that drubbing, at 9-0 at the hands of Leicester Leicester After that, I mean 9-0 to Man City 9-0 to Liverpool yeah you sort of live with it don't you 9-0 to Leicester and that's taking nothing away from Leicester but that's 9-0 to Leicester nil. I mean how on earth do you galvanise a squad to do what they've done in recent weeks yeah and, and Ralph will know the answer to that it will be something I'm sure be great to speak to Ralph but he, listen he's a top manager is what he is he did so well with RB Leipzig people forget that he was riding a crest of a wave over in the Bundesliga with a real progressive brand of football I always felt when Southampton got him I said at the time that's a major coup if you back him if you've got the recruitment boys around him Ralph will do wonders at that football club I think yeah there's been one or two signings that mm, leave a little bit to be desired but as a footballing manager He's top, he really is. And listen, you mentioned about him. He deserves credit for yeah. turning that around. You know who else deserves credit? The board. It would have been easy for the board then to say, 9-0, we're sacking you, we'll ease the pressure on us. They've not done that. They realise they've got a good manager and a good man at that football club. They backed him. And OK, what are they on? 35 points. They're eight points clear of the relegation. They should stay up. And when you think about it, actually only three points behind Arsenal. Yeah. So they've all been told at the end of the season, maybe, just maybe Southampton will get a top 10 finish. That's a good season. Um, we will hear from Big Ralph now. Uh, why? Because I find him fascinating. I find his philosophy fascinating. I find his man management fa fascinating. Uh, he's a real thinker of the game as well. And he's also one of those tracksuit managers. 
yeah. this is one of the things that he's been asked about. And that sort of got me thinking about if you two were managers or when you become managers of Premier League teams, will you be a tracksuit manager or will you be a suit manager? I'll be definitely a suit man. Without yeah. doubt. I am without a shadow of a doubt. I am getting some tailor threads. <laughs> And I am the jumper, the jacket, the tie. I am making sartorial so, see, see, I, I, statements. I, I, I would have seen Chris in a shell suit. No. I would have seen him in a shell suit. Absolutely With a baseball not. cap. I see, I see you more Jurgen Klopp. Oh, no. Start than, than Jose Mourinho. Uh, weirdly, I think I see you. I see you as the Bill Belichick. You know, the sweatshirt and the hoodie. No, that's the guy. you. With your flip-flops and your trainers that you've worn for radio 25 show. years. Because you're, you're either one tour other, aren't you? Because yeah, you are. Because you, 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 you can't, can't no. you can't sort of chop and change. No. I mean, I know Jose's trying it in the past, hasn't it? He? He's got a bit sort of <laughs> athletic wear. I remember Fergie did it in the Champions League <laughs> final in 08 in Moscow. And it was it was it was raining. It was raining cats and dogs. But I remember thinking that does not suit Fergie <laughs> in a tracksuit. There are certain managers that pull it off. It's like Pep. You couldn't see Pep in a tracksuit. Benitez do it once as well. I think Rafa did it a couple Ra- of times. Rafa, so it's yeah. like Rafa. I mean, who are you trying to kid? When was the last time you wore a tracksuit? Other than going to bed, it's, it's obviously not for working out, that's for sure. Here's the question, though. Do you, so do you think the managers that are the tracksuit managers are the ones that actually do the coaching during the week as opposed to the, 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 the suit and tie managers who, who sort of let their coaching staff well, sort of go uh, about you, their you, business? You, do you know you, what I'm saying? Yeah, I know exactly what you're two. saying, but you know who uh, kind of puts, puts paid to that was Martin O'Neill. So yeah. Martin O'Neill, remember, he was a tracksuit manager. He used to have the socks as well rolled tucked out. Tucked into his, tucked into uh, his tracksuit uh, pants, uh, didn't uh, he? Yeah, that's it, with the football boots on. But then Martin O'Neill, so hands-off, I've spoken to so many people where you wouldn't see Martin O'Neill until a Friday. He'd amble out from his office. His coaching staff would have done the work and he has a little chat with them. And then, right, lads, this is what I need from you on a Saturday. So he flies in the eye of that. I, exa- I know exactly what and you're you know, talking you about. You know what else reminds me? Brian Clough. Brian Clough. The, the, he, was a, he was a proper tracksuit yeah. manager, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, let's hear from Big Ralph now. Uh, the, well, standout tracksuit manager of the modern age. <laughs> What was your first day like at Southampton? What do you remember? Busy, a lot of new impressions, um, and a lot of new people meeting the first time, new language, first time uh, a job in a new language, and uh, getting the, the experience that you sometimes don't find the right words. That's what I remember. A manager has so many different roles and responsibilities and things that they have to do. What's your most unusual responsibility? In the job as an English Premier League manager is that you are really responsible for nearly everything. This is something new for me, it's different to Germany. Here you are really nearly for everything responsible because you, you do everything, you make so many decisions every day. And in, in, in Germany it's only, or only, but the main thing is what, what depends on your team, but here is, is, is much more uh, responsibility. You said that when you first joined Southampton you used to go into the changing room and take photographs of, of anyone that left shoes, rubbish, bottles around. Do you still do that? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to stop it because otherwise uh, they know that uh, you're not looking anymore and I think um, yeah, I try to be this, that demanding. This is important for the team. Have they improved? Are they tidier? Yeah. Are they cleaner? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm, I think so. Yeah, because I, I'm very often looking, and uh, it doesn't uh, happen that often that I find uh, shoes standing out there. 
Who was the last player to leave shoes? The new ones. The new ones. They didn't know it. <laughs> some managers wear tracksuits. Some wear, managers wear suits. I think it's quite obvious you're a, you're a tracksuit manager. Have you ever had that decision, I'm going to wear a suit, I'm going to wear a tracksuit? Uh, I also were wearing uh, other suits than the tracksuit. Um, but I made the experience, I like to wear a suit when I go to a big game because uh, this is a special moment for me and uh, uh, that's the reason why we like to wear the suit when we go to the stadium because it shows up that there's a special moment waiting for us. But, uh, and also in interviews or somewhere else, uh, I like to wear a suit, but on the pitch side, I think it's hard work, it's, it's really hard work and therefore I want to be in a track suit where I was uh, the whole day working on the pitch with the guys and because of this fact, uh, I like to stand on the pitch side with a comfortable, uh, yeah, track suit or something else. I also wear jeans in, in, in Germany or, or in my early stage as a manager, uh, a shirt with with a, with, a, with a pullover. So it was, it was different. Not always the track suit, but uh, in the beginning I was very superstitious, um, and now I'm not anymore. So. Uh, it's, it's more for me to feel comfortable, this is more important. How would you describe your management style in three words? Demanding, um, empathic and uh, open-minded. Demanding because I demand very much from me and that's the reason I also demand very much from my players. A lot of runnings, a lot of sprintings, a lot of hard work on the pitch and, and uh, listen to what we say, a lot of meetings. So this, all this stuff is, is in, uh, a huge uh, effort you, you, you have to bring. Uh, empathic because I can feel with them, I try to always feel with them and uh, I, I have uh, 25 players and everybody is his own individual and I know when they're done feeling good and, and uh, I try to be empathic always. And open-minded is important to, in modern football because the, the game changes so quickly, and uh, you have so many things you can you can put in the game. There are so many possibilities in the moment in modern football to to add new things to your game or to your uh, workout, and and uh, this is the reason why you always have to be open-minded. This is also what I ask to my players because when they are, when you, when I offer them something new in the session. Don't uh, be negative immediately. At first, be open-minded and do it, and then you will see whether you have a profit or not. What's your managerial pet hate? Uh, the moment when I uh, have to choose the 18 for the weekend, and there are two or three players, they worked hard during the week, and I must tell them that they're not in the squad. This is the moment I hate the most. When they didn't work hard during the week, then I don't have this moment. Then it's easy. How do you switch off from football? Yeah, in the moment uh, not so easy. Uh, in the summer, when uh, the sun goes down later, I like to be in the nature after after uh, the hard work during the day, going somewhere here in the south coast on the beach, somewhere have a walk, or something else. And in the winter, yeah, at home playing the piano in the evening a little bit for myself. Sometimes it's 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 good to come down to to uh, forget a football for a short moment. What songs? Do you go to when you when you're playing? It depends on my on my atmosphere or my moment in momentary situation. Sometimes it's a little bit uh, classic, and sometimes it's a little bit harder. <laughs> okay, give us some examples. 
Yeah, for example, for Robbie Williams or, or something like that. Uh, oh, do you like Robbie Williams? Yeah. I'm a big fan of Robbie Williams. Yes. What's your Robbie Williams song? Yeah, Feel I Can Play and uh, yeah, a few more, but but uh, also Queen is fantastic. Uh, I like, Queen? I like to play Queen also, yeah. What's your favorite Queen song? Bohemian and Rhapsody is my favorite. And you can play that? Uh, not the whole piece, but uh, a few parts of it. <laughs> the easy parts. <laughs> Do you have a managerial best friend in the Premier League? It's normal that you have uh, with Jürgen uh, when you when we meet him, when we meet each other, we have uh, more conversation because we know each other from Germany, and and, and it's normal that you speak more with him, uh, like with any other. But uh, with Pegba also have a few good meetings because we played against each other in Germany. But you don't have that much contact to other managers, no time. How do you think you would get on? in the modern Premier League game if you were still playing? Oh. Yeah. No, difficult. I think um, it is so physically demanding now and so much running. I think I wasn't the best runner in the world. So <laughs> maybe for the last 10 minutes I can be um, a good sub uh, with, uh, yeah, because I was immediately in the game and tried to give everything also when I wasn't playing from the beginning. and was always positive following the team, so as a sub, I think for the 10 minutes I could be an option for maybe a smaller team in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> if you could choose one Premier League manager to play in your side, who would it be? Um, I know who really shouldn't be, the Jürgen Klopp, because he was a bad player. <laughs> I played against him. Um, I think he couldn't help me, um, but uh, Frank Lampard, I think I would choose, yes. I'm fascinated by the, the Robbie Williams and the Queen stuff. You have to promise me one day you'll, you'll Only teach for me. You. Only for me. <laughs> you'll, you'll teach me on the piano. Yeah, sure. The moment we reach the Champions League, I play for you. <laughs> There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.